Hi friends! Welcome to Let's Catch Up! How's everybody doing? Nothing, nothing really happening, right? So, very chill. This will be a short one. <laughs> LOL. Um, no, I really am going to straight up skip the questions portion of this episode because it didn't even feel like, like everything is a question. You know what I mean? Like right now, anything that I talk about, I end up asking so many questions. So we're not even um, considering it to be a section of the podcast this week. We're going to talk about some big stories. We're going to talk about some things that we're like keeping an eye out for. But in terms of questions, you know, if you have any uh, that I didn't cover, just generally speaking, please let me know. But really quickly before we jump in, Grammys are this upcoming Sunday, streaming live on Paramount Plus, plus also still on CBS, hosted by Trevor Noah, audience-free, bunch of performances. So I'm excited about that. We'll discuss next uh, week. I also personally have been watching the clip of Alan Kim winning the Critics' Choice Award and crying like 17 times. He is so precious. My eyes are watering just thinking about it. He pinches his own cheek and says, is this a dream? And every time I let out an inhumane noise because it is it's just so cute. I desperately need him to consistently work from here on out. And also let's like not give him access to Twitter or something so that he can stay as pure as he is right now. Like let's, let's hold on to him. Uh, he is, he is my rock, I guess right now is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, but in terms of this week, we're going to talk about, obviously, uh, the the big bombshell Montecito interview, the Duchess, the Prince, Oprah, um, and you thought my annoying British accent was done. So- sorry, loves. Sorry, loves. Put on a spot of tea. We're going to spill some. Uh, no, but we'll obviously discuss that. We're going to talk about whatever Chris Harrison's, like, quote, apology thing is. I don't know. Is The Bachelor our monarchy? <laughs> In the sense that they're both, like, long-running racist institutions that we can't be ripped away from. hey Um, <laughs> God, it's so depressing. Yeah, but we're going to talk about that as well. Some new things on HBO, some new things on Netflix. Um, nothing, like, crazy exciting, but... We're obviously going to break down the Meghan and Harry interview um, in quite a bit of detail. And spoiler alert, I didn't even write down any notes, so it's just a straight-up stream of consciousness. I didn't edit anything out. <laughs> but I don't think I speak in as, as my British accent as much as I uh, normally do. So congrats on that. Um, and let's catch up. Let's catch up. Sorry, that was horrible. Let's catch up now, lads. Sorry, it's getting to be offensive. I'm never going to be allowed in the UK again. Okay, so I guess we have to talk about the biggest story right out of the gate. What if I just like, did not talk about Megan and Harry at all? I talked about it last week and then this week I was just like, whatever, crazy, right? Oprah did a great job. Um, no, we obviously have to go through the entire interview. So it, the full recording of the interview was three hours. They had to cut it down to, I guess, an hour and a half. And then on CBS this morning with Gail, Oprah then released like a few other clips of the interview the following day because there was just so much content from the original interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Sorry, I never said their names. I just assumed we all knew what I was talking about. Um, guys, the overarching feeling, overarching feeling was like very sad. I don't think, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. I had no idea the level to which like I knew it was bad. I knew that's why they left. 
they had to walk away because like the the pain was too great and harry said over and over again he didn't want history to repeat himself alluding to his mother obviously and he said it in this interview as well the first chunk of the interview was just oprah and megan sitting down now i do not have any notes this is going to be a full stream of consciousness recollection. So we're going to have to talk about everything. We're going to have to talk about the fact that I loved Megan's shoes and I do not understand how she was walking in them pregnant because uh, I would be in Ugg slippers. Sponsor me. So Oprah and Megan don't live particularly far from one another in Montecito and they sat down and they were like, we're not at either of our houses. We're at a friend's house who has this beautiful like backdrop or whatever. So first of all, I do need to know who the friend is. Second of all, I love how they were like, we're not at our houses. Like, don't try and come find us. Um, so the two of them sit down and right off the bat, it's like these two obviously have a relationship. Oprah was at the wedding, but like they're not close friends, you know? they're like neighbors. So they like share some bits and pieces of their life. Clearly, like they invited Oprah over to the chicken coop and they hung out. But um, also the chicken coop was fascinating. But um, simultaneously, Oprah did not have any knowledge of like how bad things were. So they're obviously not close friends. We have seen other friends, first of all, come to Megan's defense about the bullying claims from the palace. And second of all, they've also said, like, I have the receipts about things that she said in the interview. So I know that they're true. So let's get into it. We start at the beginning with Megan talking about how she was like, I didn't want to be alive anymore when I was pregnant with Archie. I just figured that the best way for everyone was if I wasn't here anymore. That's deeply scary and sad, obviously. Oprah was clearly affected by it. Megan was clearly affected by telling Oprah about it. Um, and when she reached out to the palace and said, I need help, I need to go somewhere. Um, they said, yeah, no, you can't do that. Okay, obviously, red flag number one, really quickly, before I dive in much deeper, we also need to talk about the fact that like, they call the palace all these different things. So it's like the institution, the firm, like, I'm obsessed with calling it the firm, so I like will be doing that forever. But if you've watched The Crown, you do know to some extent, right, that like there's this idea that it's like the family, but also the crown, right? The monarchy and those things are like separate, but the monarchy and the crown do take precedence over the family. So clearly Megan hadn't watched The Crown before she got into it, but they did hint later on in the interview that they have watched some of it. And I need to know specifically what episodes. Uh, the ones where they portray Harry's father yelling at his mother and saying that he doesn't love her and that he loves someone else because that's awkward. Um, so they sit down and Megan talks about how she went to the palace's HR. She was like, I went to human resources and I do feel like we needed a moment, like a record scratch moment for everyone to be like, wait, you're telling me the palace has HR? <laughs> I don't know why it just never crossed my mind. I'm like, it's, I guess it, it's definitely a business. Like it makes sense, but it never crossed my mind. Um, but they were like, we can't help you. You're not like, you're not being paid. You're not an employee. Um, so then they tell the story of how we all heard that Megan made Kate cry. It was apparently the opposite, which like, I wasn't super thrilled about that story being discussed because I I've, I've never been married, but I have to imagine the week of your wedding, you're like pretty emotional. And so if your sister-in-law says something like it might just like upset you. So it's not like she intentionally tried to make her cry. She clearly apologized. Megan kept saying like, she's a nice person. She's not a bad person over and over and over again. 
but the point of the story was more so to say the firm, if you will, uh, knew that that wasn't true and they didn't squash the story and they didn't try and refute it. And that's when she started to realize that they kept saying that they would protect her, but they actually were never going to. Time and time again, she saw them step in for other members of the royal family, but never her. And the glaring one that everyone on the internet continues to point out is that Prince Andrew, Queen Elizabeth's son, has been linked to Jeffrey Epstein, has been accused of, of um, assault and pedophilia, garbage, garbage human and is completely covered by the crown is constantly kept safe and and um, protected and Megan was like I didn't make her cry and they were like so sorry we can't change that story we can't change that narrative like are you joking me so um, she did say she was like it's very clear that um, they did not they were not going to step in on my behalf after saying time and time again that they were going to um, there was this confusing conversation about Archie's security and whether or not he was going to be a prince. And then they discussed how they were going to take away Harry's security. And then they moved to America or Canada first. And, um, they took away their security for Harry, Meghan and Archie. And, um, Harry was like, I had to start paying for it out of pocket. And thank God I had the money. Diana left me. Well, he doesn't say Diana. He said my mother, obviously. He was like, thank God I had the money that my mother left me because they cut me off completely. So I was able to pay for security for my family and keep my family safe. And I was like, you know, quick shout out, like peace up to, to, you know, Princess Di, um, who always knew, she always knew they're not going to take care of my second born little precious one. They're just going to take care of the heir. And, um, she did it. She came through for her son beyond the grave. Um, so, which don't even get me started about them saying that the thing that Archie says to everyone when they leave the house is, quote, drive safe? What? That's a little crazy. Um, okay, so I know I haven't even gotten to the craziest part yet. I just keep waiting. So they talk about the security thing. Well, the craziest part is that they stayed at Tyler Perry's house and had his security. <laughs> I have seen like incredible TikToks about the fact that like literally Tyler Perry had to come through for these people. They stayed at Medea's big house. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so they take away the security, Harry has to pay for it, and then Tyler Perry helps them out, which is incredible. Um, and there's a lot of confusion about Archie having a title. I like couldn't fully really follow that conversation, but then obviously the conversation prior to Harry that has garnered the most attention is wherein Megan says there's discussions about, um, you know, whether or not he will have a title and be a prince and uh, also uh, simultaneously discussions, quote, concerns about how dark his skin might be when he's born. And she says that these discussions were had with Harry and then Harry told her, which first of all, quick shout out to Harry. I'm being for real because I don't think every grown man would have the gumption to be like, let me go tell my wife this real quick about my racist family. Now, each and every one of them, you know, are stepping out here. Williams, like we are very much not a racist family. It's like, first of all, you are, but like, it, it doesn't help for you to say like, we are very much not a racist family. Your grandmother is like 107. It, it, it I truly mean this. It's not even her fault. Y'all are all about colonialism. Okay. Racism is straight up what you do. Y'all go to other countries and they're like, our queen, our queen. Y'all go like, 
the Commonwealth, whatever. I don't even understand all this stuff. But I do understand racism. They were concerned about the color of that child's skin like you cannot see through Harry's skin. Like the first thing I thought, because this is who I am as a person, is I said, let's get out of Punnett Square and let's walk through this together, okay? As a biracial woman myself, that translucent ginger man she married, they're not going to reproduce. They really thought that they were going to have a child looking like Wesley Snipes. Like, what are we doing here? Y'all, y'all clearly aren't learning science in your, in your etiquette classes. You know how to hold a cup of tea, but you don't know how to do a Punnett square. You don't know about dominant and recessive genes. They really said, we are worried about the color of that baby's skin. Y'all get out of here. What you really need to worry about is the texture of his hair if you won't be real racist. <laughs> okay, anyway, so moving on because this is taking forever i understand this so they clarified that they did not blindside the queen that they um wanted to do you know like this joint kind of relationship thing and then harry comes out and he's like listen my dad stopped answering my calls my relationship with my brother is strained um and and i don't know what's going on there and tiktok was really quick to say that charles is the one that said the racist thing the thing about the skin color but because I'm a good little investigator, I was watching all these videos, and multiple people pointed out that Prince Charles walked Meghan down the aisle for her wedding, and a lot of people made a very good point that these discussions were happening prior to them getting married, so they were like, why would you let a man walk you down the aisle who you had already heard make racist comments, so people were like, it was definitely William, which I think is interesting, because I automatically assumed that it was Charles, but the way that Harry was also talking about the fact that his dad stopped taking his calls, but that they're like working on it now, and that his relationship with his brother is strained, and they didn't say anything other than like, Megan was like, Kate's a good person. It does give you kind of a vibe that maybe it was William that said, what color is his baby going to be? Which, the fact that that man looking like that has the audacity to ask what somebody else is going to look like, I think is rude cheated on your pregnant wife get out of here so anyway it's like I said very sad um it they both seemed like obviously really pained really troubled Harry was like I was trapped my dad and my brother are trapped I didn't know that I was trapped and more and more interviews and clips have been coming out of him talking about um not liking England or like being pissed at the press like when they're like bothering him or asking him things like it's I, I obviously I'm not a royals obsessed person or anything but it's become very clear that like he wasn't happy it wasn't like Megan dragged him out of the UK and over to Canada he knew the pain and the sorrow that would happen if they continued and um, I don't know. It's really sad. So that's the whole interview, right? And then immediately the British press, you would think that in an interview where like a woman was like, the press was hounding me so incessantly that I could not leave my house. And I also could not be alone because I was scared of what I would do for myself. And the British press, instead of being like, terribly upsetting and sad interview they're just like wah wah whiny maggot like what is wrong with you people honestly like I it's beyond racism at this point because now we're getting into just like pure hatred pure evil honestly like this woman just told you that at one point she was suicidal and your response is to be like whiny whiny so now you know who I'm obviously gonna have to talk to or talk about next is specifically Piers Morgan this little gremlin of a human 
sat up on television because apparently he has a show entitled Good Morning Britain and said that he did not believe Megan. We don't, mm -mm, we're not doing this, okay? Uh, If we, obviously he has had problems with Megan for years, which I will talk about the interview that has now come out, obviously from 2016 as well. We um, see him for years and years and years yelling about Megan, talking about Megan, um, and constantly being rude and racist and whatever, mean, cruel. If you remove race from the equation completely, I'm being serious. If you look at the way that Pierce talks about Meghan Markle and you say, okay, let's say that he is the best possible ally on a regular basis and he is not a racist and he is not a misogynist, you still have a man being incredibly cruel to a woman. Just a person being cruel to a person. So why are we televising this? Why does he have a platform? So finally, an interview clip comes out from 2016 where a married Piers Morgan basically implies that he had drinks with Meghan Markle and then he put her in a cab where she went to a party where she then met Prince Harry and then obviously the rest was history and he was like, I never heard from her again. In this interview, he's laughing, he's joking. He's like, I got ghosted by Meghan Markle. His coworker brings it up on Good Morning Britain. Not explicitly, but he says, I know that, you know, you have, you used to have a relationship with her and she doesn't speak to you anymore. And that, that male fragility kicked in so quick, he hopped up out of his seat. That's when it happened. When that coworker said, I know that she doesn't speak to you anymore. He said, oh no, he hopped up. He said, you're not going to embarrass me. I said, fine, embarrass yourself with your shoes that clearly have lifts in them clip clopping across the floor. Skedaddle. Cheerio. Goodbye, sir. Like, what is this nonsense that you can be so explicitly cruel and say that you do not believe that a woman was suicidal because of the treatment of the press, of which you are a large part, and then to sit up and say that and to tweet it again with a picture of Winston Churchill. Goodbye. Goodbye. So he's no longer on Good Morning Britain. He says he quit. I think he was fired because they had enough complaints because the um, news network that he works for was doing a partnership with a company about mental health. You cannot make these things up. And they were all like, yeah, we can't run ads about making sure that you check in on your friends and the priorities of mental health if um, this man's going to sit up and say that he doesn't believe people when they cry for help. Which the palace does that too. You know, Harry and William have that whole thing about mental health. So there's a deep irony in that as well. I know that this section has gone on forever. I know that I could have just done an entire podcast about um, this, but it's crazy, right? And like, I need another one. Like, I need another interview to inject in my veins. Um, But they're having a little girl this summer. So Archie will be a big brother. Um, he's cute as all get out and clearly white passing. We all knew that was going to happen. I'm a guys. I, I know that everyone's like racism is the root of all of the, and I'm like, yes, obviously such a big part, but I cannot get over the Punnett square. I cannot get over their concerns about, I know that the, the fact that they had the concerns is wrong, you know, like I'm well aware, but I'm also well aware as a woman who literally has the same name and ethnic makeup as Meghan Markle, and it is something that I do speak of quite often, um, that they were worried about. Like, I just, (laughs) I'll never get over it. Um, But the clips that I was talking about that were, I promise this is the last thing, that were aired on CBS this morning, you can find them on YouTube. I will be honest with you, I cannot figure out the order that they were shown on the show, but while they were interviewing it with Oprah, they talked about uh, Meghan Markle's relationship with her father and there were two other ones that they couldn't edit into the the full sit down. Um, but 
the palace is apparently looking into they're very saddened by by these uh stories so i guess they um i don't know what they're gonna do i wonder if they're gonna investigate them like they investigated megan's uh bullying claims despite the fact that she moved to california um oh and they said that they didn't want to do sorry the netflix and and spotify deals but it was a friend that suggested it to them because they didn't have any other way to make money so they were like we didn't even want to do that we were just cut off we had no other way to make money and i'm like couldn't she reprise her role on suits or suits canceled they have to cancel it after she left guys i don't know but i guess i should watch it now gosh like i said i'd i'd watch another one injected in my veins deeply sad Deeply sad, but incredibly riveting. <sighs> Talk by the moon and to... I, I did a good job without doing my British accents in this one, didn't I? I just said cheerio to Piers Morgan. Little, little twit. Okay, let's move on to the other weirdly racial story. Um... Rate you can say Rachel and you can also say Rachel and there's also another Rachel which I won't lie that has been my favorite part of this drama is that people have to constantly figure out how to pronounce Kirk Cannell because I guess it's Kirk Cannell and not Kirk Connell because there's Rachel and there's Rachel Lindsay and there's Chris Harrison anyway moving on so we're going to attempt to just tie up these loose ends so that we can all move on maybe with our lives um, not even going to get into Matt, Matt having that conversation with his dad on national television, not even going to touch that with a 10 foot pole, gross, disgusting, not surprised that presumably a large room of white people decided that having a conversation with a black man, his estranged father would be good for TV, but okay, go off like, okay. Anyway, um, so Chris Harrison made a statement and had an interview on GMA. I don't know if we can call it an apology. He did say, I'm sorry. But Rachel Lindsay was like, I've forgiven him. I saw it. I'm moving on. Like, we just need to learn from this and grow. And so, like, if that's what she wants to do, because apparently this is, like, her fight alone. I'm on her side. I'm ready. Let's do it. So we're just going to touch on the highlights here. And then we're going to hopefully move on. Until someone says or does something inherently racist and or Emmanuel Malacho has to sit down um, in Chris Harrison's place and basically be like, how did everyone feel about that weird racist stuff he said? And then all these women have to be like, yeah, not great. Didn't love that I was trapped in a resort with him for a couple months. Um, so Chris Harrison had a pre-taped interview with Michael Strahan not a coincidence, uh, where he barely answered the questions Michael asked, honestly, and he repeatedly offered just like triple checked PR statements with, you know, canned phrases like I made a mistake. I'm an imperfect man. Like, is this a John Mayer song or an apology about being uh, racist? Oh, well, it could be both because remember how John Mayer said, never mind. Uh, moving on. Wow. I can't believe I went off on that tangent. Uh, he says he wants to be back. He says, he plans to be back. I'm sure that he will. The thing that's so crazy is this franchise as a whole was so slow to defend Rachel Lindsay and will be presumably quite quick to reinstate Chris. Um, I'm sure that we will not see anything tangible from this franchise. I think that that's pretty clear. I think that's what we've learned from this, right? Is that like the only black woman that you've elevated, you've ever elevated within your platform was being like harassed to the point of needing to remove herself from a social media platform where she makes money. And it took like five days for you as an institution to be like, 
stop uh, guys stop stop chris harrison did that too he was like i implore you if you are being all these white bachelor stars did that they got on their instagram stories and they were like if you are one of the people and i was like ew so you're assuming that these garbage people follow you that's so disappointing i saw caitlin bristow say it jojo fletcher said it they were like if you're one of the people saying mean things to rachel Lindsay, stop i was like oh okay so you already know that it's like the people that follow you how disappointing for you not like daniel maltby who was like um if that's one of you you can leave get out of here immediately <laughs> because she just assumed that she said she only had to block two people also after she um spoke out about it because she was like that's not the kind of vibe i cultivate around here which you know good vibes okay sorry tangent so Chris also said that he apologized to Rachel Lindsay initially, which we did know that he like reached out to her like two days after. He did say that he hasn't spoken to her since she was bullied off Instagram, but she's back now. Yay. So just a couple quick interesting facts that I do want to point out. First of all, Bachelor recently gave both Rachel, Bachelor Nation, because you know they have all these podcasts now. They recently gave both Rachel Lindsay's husband, Brian, and should have been the first Black Bachelor, Mike, a podcast. And I'm obsessed with them accidentally giving them a platform to scream about Chris Harrison. Like the, the timing was actually crazy. It was like they announced that they were giving them a podcast, like two or three weeks before the Chris Harrison extra interview and so Brian was like 10 toes down for his wife in a way that made me attracted to him for the first time since he showed up on the show let me tell you the rage that he had okay like you go sir very clear the love and respect that he has for his wife and I'm sorry for yelling about how you should have picked Peter Rachel I'm sorry another fun fact one of my favorite accounts on Instagram is Bachelor Data, and she does all this research. I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast before, but she does like genuinely so much work every day. She has a Patreon if you're interested in paying for it, donating because she has a full-time job and then just sits on Excel sheets and cranks out all this data for us. She was quick to point out that even in the midst of Chris Harrison saying he was stepping away from the Bachelor franchise in the few days after the interview, he was still offering cameos. So people could pay like $300 and have the host of The Bachelor say happy birthday to their friend Bethany or whatever, and he would still pocket that money and benefit from the franchise that he's allegedly saying he's stepping away from. Not too long after she posted that, he stopped taking cameo requests. So the power of Instagram. Uh, 24 hours after the pre-taped apology with Michael Strahan on GMA, Cameo was back, baby. So if you guys are headed to a baby shower soon and you don't know what to get, try a Chris Harrison Cameo. I'm sure the mother will be thrilled. Okay, let's talk about things that we are keeping an eye out for, that we are watching, listening, paying attention to that are not. The weekend deciding that he's going to, um boycott the Grammys, never attend again, never submit his music for consideration again after being snubbed this year. Because that is dramatic. I'll say it. I mean, I, I mean, I don't get it, I guess. I've never been a Grammy-nominated music artist. Um, that's what they're called, right? Grammy-nominated music artists. <laughs> but um, the fact that he was just straight up like, I'm never submitting my music for consideration again. I know this sounds really terrible, but like, he's not like, like if Beyonce was like, never again, you know, forget the Grammys. 
no more Grammys. The Grammys would be like, oh boy, she's right. No more Grammys. We're out of here. But, you know, I don't know that Abel has enough power. Anyway, so that's not what we're paying attention to, despite me spending all that time talking about it. What I have been watching is the Alan V. Farrow HBO docuseries. It's obviously deeply upsetting for a variety of reasons. I don't even know if I want to say watch it because I, I've found it very upsetting. It's like all the trigger warnings before you even hop into it, like regarding assault, both sexual and otherwise. It's just I don't think I'm going to discuss it here. But because that's what I've been watching, <laughs> I'm going to take a hard pivot in a second uh, because it's disturbing but available. And what I'm actually watching is a lot of other things that uh, provided a little joy um, when Hollywood isn't uh, acknowledging a child being abused. So Netflix, you know, come through it while HBO upsets, um, except for when we watch Hot Dog, you know. <laughs> I wish I was ashamed. Um, the other thing that on HBO actually is this show that like kind of looks like it's trying to be a little euphoria. It's generation and it's basically about like a conservative orange county town with a bunch of teenagers who are basically like we want to live we want to be free i don't know we'll see how it goes but what's on netflix um last chance you basketball very intrigued by this i don't think anything will ever beat the first season of last chance you um truly that i mean i don't want to be dramatic but that was one of the best times in all of our lives <laughs> And before um, the pandemic and before, you know, Jerry had his run in with the FBI, remember cheer and remember the joy that that brought us? Wow. Uh, the other thing, a uh, college admission scandal doc is coming out next week, the 17th. My body is ready. Okay. So just like prep, we're staying on the lookout. We're keeping our eyes peeled. Um, and Coming to America is also available on Amazon Prime. Uh, definitely watching that before I watch Midsommar because I'm still very scared of that, guys. Just want to go on the record really quickly saying thank you so much for putting up with the fact that every week I'm like, mm, I don't want to spend $20 renting a movie because that's annoying and I understand that. Um, but I watched the movies this week. <laughs> Yay! Um, so she's not going to complain. Um, but the first up is on Netflix. I watched Moxie. Now, I started this movie and I said, mm -mm, no, thank you. Uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger playing a high schooler. No, thank you. Um, the idea that this little white girl who Amy Poehler birthed um, has decided that she cares about other people's rights. Mm -mm, no, thank you. I don't like this energy. Okay. I don't ever like the energy of a mom and daughter um, being such close friends that the mom can't live, you know? Uh, but then we got into a vibe where Ike Barinholtz is a teacher and he has a sign on his whiteboard that was two pieces of paper. And the first sign says, you matter. And the second sign says, don't give up. But when you put them side by side, it reads, you don't matter, give up. <laughs> so that that gave me a good chuckle. And I was like, wait, this might be a vibe for me. Um, Julia Louis Julia Louis Dreyfus's son is also in this movie, and I know I should be mad at nepotism, but he has actually is quite funny. Um, so, like I said, the vibe of the movie initially was like little white girl becomes inspired by someone new in her life to care because she's never had to care before. Um, her mother, played by Amy Poehler, was this activist and protester when she was younger, and it would appear that she didn't really teach her daughter much about that. And I was like, okay, so I don't like this fun movie, but then it got good. <laughs> it got better and 
I mean, obviously it's not perfect. By the end, there was like this one moment where this they were like talking about all this stuff. And this one girl was like, and my hair is not nappy and no, you can't touch it. And I was like, okay, I feel like a white person was just like, uh oh, we haven't talked about women of color enough. So let's just sneak this line in. So like that wasn't great. But uh, two of the girls from Saved by the Bell, which we know that I love the reboot, are in this film. I was crying at the end. <laughs> I'll just tell you guys. I don't know why. I was just like, yes, look at these girls like linking arms and being there for one another and like fighting for what they want, even if they get in trouble. I was just like very inspired by them. And I was like, should I have been more proactive as a teenager? And then I was like, I don't know, maybe not. Like if you're lucky, you get to live longer and you can just do all that later. But it was genuinely quite sweet. So then within kind of a similar vein, but not at all, I finally watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, imagine a world where someone's like, so I watched Moxie and Judas and the Black Messiah. And weirdly, there is a Venn diagram. <laughs> um, but I learned a lot watching it. Like I'm kind of embarrassed by how much I learned about it. Um, I learned about the Rainbow Coalition, which if this was a different podcast, I would really go into why the government doesn't like that. You know what I mean? Uh, but I learned about the Black Panthers as well as the fact that um, uh, Fred Hampton was assassinated because a man was an FBI informant in the Black Panthers, guys. I had no idea. Um, and the man in the film is portrayed by Lakeith Stanfield, who we know I love so deeply. I just aspire to be the monotone, quiet, funny guy. Uh, but spoiler alert, <laughs> I am not. Um, it was really quite good. I know that I'm not saying anything exciting. That's why it's nominated. That's why it's winning awards. But I managed to catch it right before it went off of the HBO Max um uh, for 31 days streaming movie deal that they have uh, that coincides with the film being released in theaters. And I finally read about that and I apologize for being so negligent. But the question now, ironic, since I skipped over the questions this week, is how long does this HBO partnership last given that movie theaters are starting to open up in big cities like New York and LA? So if you could see Judas and the Black Messiah in a movie theater in Los Angeles, this is a bad example because this movie already came out, but let's say that the movie theaters in LA were open in February would they have still done this 31 days on HBO Max? I don't know. So we'll see how it goes. We were obviously just taught very little about the Black Panther Party. I know I'm all over the place. I'm like, movie theater reopening, Black Panthers. But we were obviously taught very little about the Black Panther Party. We certainly were not taught anything positive. At least I wasn't. I won't say we. I felt like the collective we was okay there, but I shouldn't put that on you. Maybe you learned a lot about it in third grade. I didn't. I barely learned fractions. <laughs> My point is, I really enjoyed it. I hope I don't end up on an FBI watch list for saying that on a recorded medium. And if you have a chance, you should watch it too. Okay, last thing that we're paying attention to this week is not Meg Thee Stallion in a Maroon 5 song because I love her so much, but I don't understand what's going on there. I mean, she's cashing that check, but I don't, like, this is, they literally did the exact same thing with Cardi B, what, like, two weeks, two, two weeks ago, two years ago, or something like that, so, anyway, that's, that's so far from what I'm about to talk about, what I'm about to talk about is something that I do think I should have been talking about for the past year, but there's no time like the present, right, so books turning into TV shows or movies, right, Maroon 5, um, no, but, uh, I love reading. We all love reading, right, kids? Yeah. Um, just kidding. I don't really care if you do in the nicest way. Um, 
but so much um, television and movies recently in the past few years, I feel like has been adapted from um, a book and, you know, Reese Witherspoon will option a book now into a limited series. Um, Big little fires everywhere. But um, I'm going to rattle off some books that you should hustle up and read because they're coming to a screen near you this year. I think we all are familiar with book adaptations that we know and love throughout our childhood. Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, To All the Boys I Loved Before. Didn't see that last one coming, did you? Still haven't finished that third movie. Um, Almost anything Reese Witherspoon makes these years. Normal People, um, which I did enjoy the show more than the book. Um, But the list goes on and on. So I'm buckling down and making sure that I read some of these. um, So I'm prepared for the um, media that's coming out this year. uh, Because I do like saying things like um, either the trite cliche, the book was better. Or, you know, I read the book and I really enjoyed this a lot more than I was expecting to. Or the really crazy one, which is uh, that Amy Adams limited series on HBO where I read the book. It fully freaked me out and I didn't watch the show. (laughs) (laughs) counterproductive um okay first up on the list is without remorse which was written by tom clancy and it's being adapted for amazon prime video with michael b jordan um there's also some other famous people in there but you know prime time uh you've probably already seen the trailer i'm in cherry is the tom holland movie that is coming out today on apple tv and it looks really good and it's i didn't realize that it's based on um a true story by a man named nico walker Um, So I genuinely want to read this book now, but he is a veteran who struggled with addiction. He ends up in this life of crime. So really, I'm going to add that to my list. Um, The next, you probably have heard of this one, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, which I'm in the middle of reading as we speak. It's going to star Dakota and Elle Fanning as sisters. And I just, I've, I've genuinely enjoyed the book and I'm excited for the two of them to portray it. It's not coming out until the end of the year though. So we all have some time. (laughs) Maybe if we like leave our houses this summer, we can sit at the beach and read it. Uh, Mothering Sunday is a short coming of age novel that's being adapted with Olivia Coleman and Josh O'Connor. So if you love them both but can't make it through the crown, here we are. And maybe that audience is just me, um, but I'm excited. Uh, Nine Perfect Strangers. I feel like everyone knows about this. Leanne Moriarty. Moriarty. Like her last name drives me crazy. Um, Moriarty got so many vowels so close together um but it's been on my list for years I feel like and I've yet to read it but it's going to stream on Hulu oddly enough Reese Witherspoon is not attached but guess who is Nicole Kidman okay she said miniseries based on a book sign me up uh also David E. Kelly who did produce Big Little Lies um is producing this as well so I have concerns about whether or not I'll like it but I'll holla at y'all then um, another Sally Rooney novel I mentioned, Normal People, earlier, Conversations with Friends, is being adapted. So if you enjoyed Normal People, it is, like I said, her and the same director um, has been attached. So maybe I'll read it. I don't know. Um, I'm personally intrigued by this book, French Exit, which I had not heard of before. And it's the story of a socialite who decides to take what's left of her inheritance and move to Paris with her son and her cat. I pretty much can't relate to a single part of that sentence now that I'm looking at it, but it stars Michelle Pfeiffer and Lucas Hedges. And I have to tell you, I'm loving this moment for Lucas only works with legendary women Hedges. Go on, son. Um, A really quick last one. Uh, Death on the Nile. Now, 
I would not have included this if there wasn't the additional sideshow because what I tried to keep it to were books that, you know, had been written recently that had productions that were coming out soon. But this is based on the Agatha Christie novel from like the 1930s and it was originally casted with Army Hammer as the lead pause for dramatic effect it's expected to be be released later this year and like in the midst of him pulling out that shotgun wedding movie or whatever with j-lo and being removed from another movie and his like management and agencies dropping him i kept digging and digging and digging to find confirmation that he was indeed recast and i cannot find it anywhere it's been rumored, people have suggested it, but I cannot find confirmation that it is actually what's happening. But the idea is that he is going to be or was going to be recast and reshot a la Kevin Spacey a few years back. Um, but the theatrical release is scheduled for September, I think, which I don't know a lot about movies, but is that enough time to re? shoot one man like a main character's scenes gal gadot is pregnant like are they going to reshoot with her like you know but anyway um like i said i know that's a little different but i could not pass up an opportunity to mention army um because you know i'm confident that he has enough money to never work again but he can't be too happy okay pals we came we saw we caught up Thanks as always for making it this far. I'm not sure that I've been as thankful as I used to be lately. Maybe this is, you know, a moment of reflection for me. Have I not been grateful enough to you? Um, let me know in the comments. I'm just kidding. Please don't tell me. <laughs> this, this is exactly like me being like, rate, review, sus subscribe. Unless you hate me, then like, please don't rate or review. <laughs> Um, but last week's episode was such a whirlwind. There was a moment where I was like, should I be doing these every other week for an hour? I don't know. I just need y'all to know that I'm considerate. I'm just trying to be, uh, not, not that I'm considerate, that I'm considering it. Um, but in an effort to be considerate, I'm being transparent. Anyway, um, I, I'm going to go, I guess. I told y'all I was going to watch the Billie Eilish documentary and I forgot. So I do need to do that. I'm also going to go investigate this Hermes mushroom leather bag. My question is, what's the price, though? Because I'm willing to be more sustainable if this price is more attainable. Hello! Okay. <laughs> um, also, I'm going to go see if I've watched enough content on HBO Max to have a contact there so I can ask them why they think a comedy about the racial, rec racial reckoning at Bon Appetit is a good idea. And where's the next season of Succession? I'm that gif of Judge Judy right now, banging on the desk, banging on the throne. What do you call that thing? The bench. Approach the bench, Your Honor. You're on? Ooh, okay. I don't go to court much, thank God. Um, but y'all know what I'm talking about where she like taps her watch and then she's like banging on the bench? That's me asking HBO where Succession is. Anyway, um, the Roku channel is premiering its first original show and it looks kind of good, you know, crime drama. But um, I don't know how the rest of the world, and dare I say the majority, is going to watch something if it's on the Roku channel. Anyway, Remember when I was like, I'm not going to try and talk about The Bachelor that much, and then the whole franchise kind of blew up and was like, lol, we're racist, but we've been pretending we're not. Um, the finale's next week, so we'll see how that goes. I do miss uh, the, the white, the whiteness. Maybe we should have just let them have it, right? Maybe we should have just been like, you know what, we actually don't need to be included in this mess y'all y'all can just have this all for yourselves we'll just watch white people embarrass their families on television 
and then I'll do some Instagram recaps and that'll be sufficient. Um, but we, we had to go asking for diversity and equality. <sighs> Dang. Um, anyway, thanks for catching up. <laughs> what if that audio gets like out? Y'all don't, don't tell anybody I said that. She says on a recorded medium. Okay, thanks for catching up. Bye.